This morning now, we are continuing in our sermon series, uh, striving to be faithful. Uh, we're, we're seeking throughout this series to, to hear how God might be leading and calling us to be faithful followers of him. And so we've talked about the need at times for those who are faithful followers of Jesus to sometimes go in separate ways, uh, as well as uh, the need for followers of Jesus to find places where they are, are unified, what it is that, that actually brings us together. Uh, and, and so what we talked about is that as followers of Jesus, the source of our unity isn't necessarily names or buildings and colors of paint and carpet or tile or whatever else it might be. What, what brings us together is our connection to Jesus. And so it matters a great deal what we believe about Jesus, who we understand Jesus to be. Uh, it matters a great deal that that we know Jesus, not just that I know a lot of things about Jesus, but like I have this growing intimate relationship, this connection with him where my life is being changed and transformed for this encounter that I have with Jesus. So we talked about that as we draw closer to Jesus, as I uh, draw closer to Jesus, as you draw closer to Jesus, that that should bring us closer to one another. As Jesus transforms us, as he sanctifies us, as he makes us holy as he is holy, uh, as we're made more like him, it draws us, it brings us closer into connection uh, with others who are following Jesus as well. And so that brings us to to another pillar uh, of our foundation of faith. And, and that's what we're talking about this morning is it's really the, the source of how we come to know Jesus, how we come to any kind of faith at all, how we learn the ways that God has created us to live and to flourish. Uh, so today we're talking about the importance of, of scripture. And so our scripture reading comes from second Timothy chapter four, uh, verse one through five. I invite you to open your Bibles with me there. Second Timothy uh, chapter four, uh, verse one through five. And Paul is writing to Timothy. Uh, He's giving him some final instructions for ministry. Paul knows that his time is soon coming to an end, that he has just a little bit more that he can offer Timothy. And so these are, these are some of his, his final words of, of advice, of encouragement, uh, to his, you know, sort of spiritual son in the faith, Timothy. So we're reading here in 2 Timothy, uh, chapter 4, beginning here in verse 1. It says, In the presence of God, and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead. And in view of his appearing in his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when People will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you, keep your head in all situations. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Discharge all the duties of your ministry. Uh, This is the word of God for us, the people of God. We say thanks be to God. So Paul uh, gives Timothy a charge. Uh, the word charge uh, means to solemnly testify. It's, it's instructions. Timothy, this is what you are to do. And this charge that he gives him, it's not just he's offering to him, you know, the suggestion or he's not saying, Timothy, here's a personal favor I'm asking of you. This isn't just some good idea that Paul is laying out. Rather, uh, Paul is saying this charge that you have is rooted in Christ. Right? 
in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus who will judge the living and the dead and in view of his coming kingdom. Paul's saying this is serious. Right? There's a sense of weightiness to this charge that he is giving Timothy. The true and the living God. Right? The Lord Jesus Christ. The final judgment. The second coming. The kingdom of heaven. All of this is behind this charge that he's laying at Timothy's feet. Paul's, he knows he's going to soon be off the scene. But God's going to be there. God is watching. God is monitoring Timothy's faithfulness. Jesus is present. Right? The totality of the kingdom of God and all eternity are at stake in what Paul is charging Timothy with. And what is this task that is so important that Paul presses the weight of eternity upon Timothy's heart and mind? It's to preach the word. He, he's saying, Timothy, in, in what you're doing, the Bible must be the center of it. Uh, he's saying, church, and what you do, the Bible must be at the center of it all. The whole weight of eternity is attached to the word being the heart of who we are and what we are doing. Paul doesn't just tell Timothy that he must preach. He tells him what he must preach. You must preach the word. You know, scripture kind of talks about this throughout. It, it, it shows us the importance of the word. In uh, Psalm 119, 105, we read that the word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. We read Jesus when he's being tempted in the desert. Uh, it, it's the word that he preaches to the devil that gets him to leave. The devil's trying to tempt him with all these different things, uh, visions of grandeur. He tempts him to, hey, you know what? You've been fasting. Why don't you just turn? You're hungry a little bit. Just, just turn those stones into some loaves of bread. Uh, you know, you can do that, right? And Jesus answers him. And he says, no, 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 that's, that's not what God has called me to. And he says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. He tells them, you know, the, the word of God is life and it's life giving. The, the word of God is what I need to give me life to sustain my life. Uh, the author of Hebrews, he'll write later on, he says, the word of God is living and active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit of joints and of marrow, discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. But the word, it, it pierces through. It reveals what's really going on within us. As I read my Bible, it speaks and it begins to cut through whatever nonsense is taking place within my heart to show me, hey, this is, this is the right path and you're going off on the, on the wrong path. It, it is living and active. It speaks to us. It reveals what's going on in our lives. It reveals what's going on in the world around us. When we're, when we're reading the Bible, we're not just picking up some old text we're not just reading some old pages in a book. It's not the same as reading, you know, Moby Dick or some other classic work. It's God's word. It is alive. It continues to speak to us. And, and I want to be careful here, really. Uh, you know, when, when I say uh, that, that God continues to speak to us, uh, it it means a little bit of something different than what I sometimes hear other people say. And see, Paul says here, he says, the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. This is verse three. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. Uh, there's a, a great deal of 
debate, discussion uh, around what it means for God to continue to speak to us. As you might know, in the world we live in, people people sometimes say the same things, but they mean something different by it. And so I want to I want to be careful. I want to clarify. Uh, and when I say that God's word is alive, that it continues to speak, I mean that when you sit down and you read the Bible, you hear God's voice. Uh, when we approach the scriptures in faith, we're reading these words that God has inspired people to write down that have come to us, that God continues to reveal what he's been revealing to us as followers of Jesus Christ throughout time. When I say God continues to speak, I don't mean that God is giving some sort of new revelation, that there's some new idea that's never been thought of before that's going to come out, that God is changing his mind on what he's previously taught. What I'm saying is that when I read the Bible, that God speaks into my life and I am drawn into his life. And I want to be careful here because sometimes when other people speak and they talk about God continuing to speak, some people mean that God is saying something new. That God speaks to us today and can say something different than what we find in these pages. That what we find in scripture, that that God has uh, something to say to us today that we might not find anywhere in scripture. That his new revelation can actually lead us in a new direction that might not be something that's outlined in these pages. And I just kind of want to caution this because, church, this could be a very dangerous theology. And I hope we hear the difference. God, God speaks to us. God can and does speak. And if we're, if we're still before him, if we're listening for his voice, God speaks. But God's not going to say something contrary to his word, his written word that we find in the pages of the Bible. If you hear something, this is kind of a test. If you hear something and you're like, you know what? I think that might be God speaking to me. I think that might be God saying something to me, leading me, calling me, or whatever it might be. If it's consistent with Scripture, if it's consistent with what the church has been teaching for 2,000 years, then we can look and say, okay, yeah, this there's a good chance this might be God. But if I hear something, if I hear a voice that's speaking to me, that's calling to me, that's telling me something, and it's contrary or different than what Scripture says... You should probably run, right? I mean, because it's, it's not of God. You'd be like Jesus and, and quote some scriptures back at that voice you heard because there's a good chance that it's a lie that comes from the devil. The idea that God continues to speak uh, doesn't mean that there's some new revelation from God. It means that God is speaking his words of life into us, that he's giving us instruction. He's, he's giving us uh, encouragement to follow in his will and his way uh, and not to go off onto some other path that the world might be leading us. And, and this is, I, I don't know how much you've learned or studied about this, but uh, Muslims read the Christian Bible. Right? Uh, some of them are amazing scholars of the Christian Bible. There's, there's probably many who know more about the Bible than a lot of Christians. Uh, what changes things for them is not that just they believe some of the words of the Bible, but they believe the Quran, right? The words that Allah gave to the prophet Muhammad. Uh, and, and for them, that's God speaking. That's a final revelation. They would say God spoke through the Old Testament. Sure, God speaks through the New Testament. And God also speaks through the Quran. Uh, many of the early Muslim communities believed that Christians would, would be like, oh yeah, okay, here's a new revelation. We'll join in and follow right along with you. We have this new revelation from God, just like your New Testament. It's uh, the new New Testament. And maybe you'll hop right in. And Christians at the time, they, they rejected that. 
God still speaks, but it's not some new revelation. It's illuminating what has already been written. Christians rejected the notion of the Quran of this new revelation because it went counter to what was already written. It suggested that Jesus was a prophet, a great teacher, but he wasn't the Messiah. He's not the Savior. He's not God in flesh. And so Christians rightly rejected that. Mormons also use the Christian Bible. Uh, There's a great deal of debate that goes into the question of whether Mormons are Christians or not, because they also believe the Bible. But they also uh, believe not only the Old and New Testament uh, as Bible, as Scripture, as God's revelation, uh, but they believe that Joseph Smith uh, found a book in a cave, the Book of Mormon, and that it was a new revelation that God gave to people, that God gave to people, that it expands on, expounds upon what's written in the Old and the New Testaments, and that we can hold it at least as equal, if not greater weight than what we do the Old and New Testaments. Right? So there's a, a, whole new rev, a whole new religion that's being formed. Uh, when you say that God continues to speak, and by that you mean that there's a new revelation that's coming, that the 2,000-year history of Christian teaching is being changed through this new word that God is speaking, you're, you're treading on dangerous grounds because you're creating a new religion. It, it leeches off of the Christian faith, but at some point it ceases to be Christian. All right, so there's a couple of verses I want us to hear in relation to this. Revelation 22, verse 18 and 19. Now, these are two of the final words in the Bible, and they, they offer to us a, a, a warning. Verse 18, it says, I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this scroll. If anyone adds anything to them, God will add to that person the plagues described in the scroll. If anyone takes words away from this scroll of prophecy, God will take away from that person any share and the tree of life and in the holy city, which are described in the scroll, it, it offers us a warning. John's concluding his book that lays out the vision that God has given him for the churches. And he concludes it with this warning, not to add or to take away from the words that God has given us. When we look back uh, at the first sin that's committed in scripture, the first sin that we, that we read about way back in Genesis chapter 3, uh, the root of that sin What leads them into this sin is that they're adding to the word of God. And so we're going to look back Genesis chapter 3, verse 1 through 6. This is kind of uh, what happens. It says, The serpent was more crafty than any other wild animal that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God say you shall not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the middle of the garden, nor shall you touch it or you shall die. The serpent said to the woman, you will not die for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. And then if we continue to read through chapter 3, we would see kind of the the destruction that was wrought by by all of this. And then we're going to compare that now uh, with what God actually says in Genesis chapter 2, verse 16 and 17. So the Lord God commanded the man, you may freely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it, you shall die. It sounds kind of similar, 
But if, we, if we're looking at it, right? So the first thing that the serpent says is, did God say you can't eat from any tree? It's taking, it's distorting what God had said. God said, yeah, you can eat from any tree, just not this tree that's in the center. The snake says, did God say you can't eat from any tree? Like, it's, it's a twisting. It's a distortion of it. The woman then says, and she responds, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that's in the middle of the garden, nor shall you touch it. She's adding on this extra thing that God had not said. And the differences might be subtle here. But the truth we see is that as we begin to add, as we begin to subtract from God's word, it leads to places of sin and death. When she looks at the fruit and says, man, that looks, looks really good. When the desires of her heart begin to move in a direction apart from God's will and God's way, it leads to her and Adam's destruction. It leads to sin and death. So when we say that God speaks, God still speaks, but he's not going to speak contrary to his word. Rather, God's speaking into our hearts and lives vivifies his word. It draws our attention to particular aspects of his word. He gives us what we need from his word, but it's all rooted in the word that's in the Old and the New Testament. And so Paul exhorts Timothy to preach the word. Preach the word, Timothy, the living and the active word, the life-giving word of God that is centered in and around and upon and through Jesus. And now some might say, well, well, preacher, I'm not a preacher, so I'm not sure that this passage applies to me today. Uh, you know, at, at the church that I served up in North Carolina, uh, you would have thought, uh, it's a small little country church, uh, good old Rehoboth, uh, Methodist Church, they're wonderful people. Uh, you would have thought that my name was Preacher. Uh, they, preacher, how are you doing today? Good to see you, Preacher. How are you doing, Preacher? Uh, and it was at points in times where I thought it's like I should probably tell them that my name is Denville, right? Because they never, I never heard my name. It's, there was a part of me that thought to say at some point in time, you know what? Preaching is what I do. It's not who I am. That's what I, that's what I wanted to tell them. Uh, or so I thought. But I wonder, I wonder if perhaps maybe they didn't have it right after all. Because what if, what if preaching is not what I do, but what if preaching is who I am? What if for all of us, preaching is what we do? That all of us really are preachers. If you're a follower of Jesus, you have this charge to keep, to preach the word. It's saying your life preaches. Your actions preach. Your interactions with others preaches. Your, your mouth preaches. It all tells a story. It all proclaims something. When people see you, when they hear you, there is a message that's being conveyed. They're, they're picking up something about who you are. They're seeing some sort of truth at work within your life. The things that you say and do, it tells people about what you believe. It, it tells people about what you hold most dear, about the things that are going on within your heart and within your soul. So I wonder if really we aren't all preachers. We are all telling a story. We are all pointing to some greater truth. And the question isn't really whether or not we are preachers, but it's what is the message that we are preaching? You know, my, uh, my second oldest son, he's playing flag football, and I'm coaching his team. I got, I got drug into coaching. I, I enjoy it, actually. It's fun. And we're two and one, so that's great as well. We're in the middle of the season. Uh, but I noticed something. Uh, the, the league that we're a part of, the commissioners kind of send out a weekly email. And at the bottom of the email, uh, it's kind of, you have pages and pages of information. It says, God bless uh, Amber and TA. That's the, the commissioners of the league. 
was like, huh, that's interesting. And so it's like, well, you know, I, uh, the youth director of our church, he works for FCA in Northport, the league's in Northport. I'm like, huh, what if that might be a connection? I, I know the, the person who's in charge of FCA in Charlotte County. And so, so I approached him last night, actually. I went up to the tent and I said, hey, um, I noticed in your email it says God bless. I know some people who work with FCA. Would there maybe be a possibility of them setting up a tent or is there something we could do? And there's like, oh, well, actually, it's interesting. Like, we run a league up in Orlando, and FCA came out, and they passed out Bibles to all the people in our league. I was like, whoa, that's pretty cool. I said, now, we got to go through the right steps. we got to go through the proper procedures. We can't just kind of do whatever, but, but send us an email, and we'll work that out. And I said, and it's interesting, right, that you noticed that in the email we said, God bless. And what, what happens a lot of times is that people will recognize that. People who are believers see that, and they'll ask us about it. They'll say something about it. You know, there's a, a greater mission that's going on in what we're doing, and I and I just thought that was intriguing because it's, it's something that just seems real simple, but it says something potentially about who they are. Uh, it says something potentially about who they're projecting themselves to be and about the ways that we might be able to connect and work together. And we'll find out more. I don't know what will happen with the FCA thing. If something will happen or not, we're going to work on that. But, but everything that we do says something about what we hold to be true, about what's most important within us, about what's at work within our lives. And Paul says that when, when you preach, when your life preaches, that you are to preach the word. Preach the good news of Jesus. Preach the living and active word of God that's found in the Old and the New Testaments. Let your life, let your words tell the story of what God has done for you. Let it be so rooted deep down within your heart and within your soul that it just flows out of you into all the places that you are. I'm going to conclude with this, this final thought. Paul says, preach the word. He says, be ready in season and out of season. Preach the word, be ready in season and out of season. You know, in season and out of season means, you know, regardless of what's going on, when, uh, whenever everything is going great, preach the word. When things are, are not going great, preach the word. Whenever you're up on top of the mountain or when you're deep down in the valley, no matter what, you are going through or what's going on, be prepared to preach the word. Be, be so connected and involved in the word of God that it flows up out of you regardless of whatever season you're in. Being prepared means that we have to be in the word, that we have to, to allow the word of God to dwell within our hearts richly. That we have to spend time reading it, meditating upon it, uh, chewing it, uh, wrestling with God about what God is speaking to us, what God is saying. And as we spend time in God's word, God brings passages to your mind and to your heart at just the right time. As you, as you learn God's word, as it, as it sinks down deep within your soul, as God speaks into your life through his word, it becomes active and living among you. And so I want to invite you and encourage you uh, to let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, to be prepared in season and out of season by getting involved in the word, spending time reading. If you, if you don't have a plan or an idea about how you're going to do it this year, we've got one for you. It's right in the back at the connection point table. It's a New Testament reading plan to read through the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, all the way through Revelation in the course of 11 months. You have a couple days off. If you miss a day, you can catch back up. Uh, it's a great way to have something that's laid out for you so that you can read, be involved in, know, and study God's Word. And so I invite you, if you don't have a plan already, uh, to pick that up, to let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly, to be prepared in and out of season, to preach the Word. 
of God through your actions, your interactions with others, through the words that you proclaim. Uh, Let us pray together. Gracious and almighty God, uh, we pray uh, that our lives would be so changed and transformed by your work within us, that we might be drawn closer and closer into you. That as our lives are drawn closer to you, that we might dig deeper and deeper into your word. That we would hear your voice speaking to us, calling us into life. We pray, Lord, that this encounter with your word might be a transformative experience within our lives. That you might mold us and make us more and more into the image of Christ. That others might see and know you living in us and through us. That as our life preaches, the people would see and know Christ. That our world would be changed and transformed because of it. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.